You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Johnson. AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining us for another after show for Scandal here at AfterBuzz TV. We are on episode seven, season three, everything coming up, Melly. And this was an exciting episode. I'm your host, Emilio Ennis Jr., joined here with three other amazing superior gladiators that I'm happy to be here with every single week, starting with... Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Penelia. Hi, I'm Sophia Stanley. I'm Bam Erickson. And we are going to get right into it, guys. Um, Before we even start, though, what did you guys think of the episode? Um, We have some mixed reviews here. I felt like I was watching an episode on Young and the Restless. It was a lot going on. Like, at one point towards the end, the last, like, ten minutes, I was like, wait, what? Who? Wait, wait, what? It was a lot. I detested this episode. Oh. And I'm going to try to make it really brief. With few exceptions, the only one probably being Sally's husband, everything is too predictable. It's simple yet convoluted, and I'm starting to feel like it's a little bit insulting to me, and I'm only speaking for me, as the viewer. There's no growth, even in so much as Melly's backstory that we'll get into I don't like that somehow the show is going there while still keeping things campy. Does that make sense? You can't take mm-hmm. that serious of an issue that she was violated and then throw so many other things at you and not pause. Like, I feel like, ironically, even though this show is really quick, this season they've s- slowed the show down, but they didn't slow it down enough for us to fully, or for me, to fully get the impact of how that affects a person, how that affects a woman, and that how that affected all the rest of her choices. And then all of a sudden you have Quinn kissing Charlie, and spies, and moms in prison, not in prison, and killing people. And what it's, it's, it's too much. That, to me, they could have delved deeper and actually just had a show, to a certain extent, about Melly. And how all roads lead to Fitz and all roads lead to Melly and gone that way. And I thought that would have been great. This, not a fan. Well, we're going to get into this then. So you briefly touched on the flashbacks. Let's talk about this. We went 15 years back in time and we were with uh, Fitz and Melly in bed. And it was nice to see that. I talked about this last week. I thought that this was something else, but clearly it's a a flashback. And it was kind of pleasant to see Fitz and Melly in a good place and actually in love and wanting to be next to each other and wanting to have that intimate connection. Um, and you saw at this point, Fitz has been trying to get Melly pregnant and I don't know if there's issues or whatever, but um, we see that Fitz is, or Melly and Jerry are trying to work on getting Fitz to run for governor so that he can eventually run for the presidency. And, you know, Jerry's dead in the present, but now we see Big Jerry's back and he's still the same as he was when we met him. So what do you guys think of the dynamic between Jerry? Because I feel like we got an even deeper explanation of that relationship between Jerry and Fitz in this episode. I understand. I I get Melly a little bit better and I also get Fitz a little bit better um, as to why he seems so conflicted. So I get that. Um, my biggest question while watching this was I was saying to myself was, okay, well, when and how did they fall out of love? Because in the present, probably for the past uh, two or three years before he was president, it seemed like their marriage was an arrangement. Now we go back 15 years and they were in love. So. It could be a number of things. You know what I mean? Like, it, it seemed like, well, I'm not even saying it seems like. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like when something like that happens, where your wife is violated, but she takes it in and eats it. In most cases, domino effect. So that starts to that puts Melly into this mindset that I sacrifice something for you, but I can't tell my husband what I sacrifice for you. So when you don't do things that I think you should be doing because I sacrifice this for you, then that causes a problem with our relationship. But if Fitz don't know what is really causing the problem of the relationship, then he's going to resent Melly for having this grudge against him when he probably thinks it's something else. And then it becomes a back and forth battle fight, fight, fight. People grow, people change. She's not where she wants to be. She has to give up her career on top of being raped by mm-hmm. his father. Then she still has to deal with the dad. Because if you flashback to season one, you remember season one mm-hmm. or season two when when Big Jerry was around? She was chummy with Big mm-hmm. Jerry. Mm-hmm. If anything, almost flirting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. She was flirting with Big Jerry. So take all of that on top of now they're in the White House. That's fame. Fame, you know, add that to the pot. That can ruin a marriage, especially when you're holding something in that basically kind of like, I sacrificed this for you. When Melly kept saying that, I sacrificed everything for you this whole series, she was really serious. Like, she sacrificed everything. But Fitz don't know that. And what sucks is that Jerry's dead. And so she can never say anything, or if it just happens to slip of the tongue, he's not there to, it just, it really sucks. Yeah, it was just, that was really bad. What was also bad was Sarah, uh, Cyrus's hairpiece. <laughs> I thought it was Chuck Norris. I no lie. I was like, yo, is that Chuck Norris? I mean, I get what they were trying to do because his hair is kind of frazzled right now. His current states are like, oh, we changed the color. He still had that hairstyle. But I mean. It was terrible. But just really quick on Cyrus. Cyrus mentioned his wife. And so I wonder if we're going to, if we're going to everybody's backstory, will we go to Cyrus's backstory? And was he actually married to a woman? Oh, no, I think definitely, because I think that, remember when they do the flashback, and I can't remember if it's Camp David, but wherever they are, remember when they're doing, you know, the the beginning of the, what's it called? Like, not the inaugura- inaugural address, but, like, the first speech that the president makes, right? Mm-hmm. Remember when they're at wherever they are in the woods, and uh, Olivia and Cyrus are talking, and basically she tells him that she knows about James, mm-hmm. and he basically was like, oh, I thought nobody knew. And he was, and she basically was like, everybody knows you're gay. That was, I think, the first time that he actually came out. Like, James was his first open gay relationship. So mm-hmm. I think he definitely was married before because he was living a closeted lifestyle. You know, that works in line with being a Republican, so forth and so on. And mm-hmm. that's why it was such a brave move for him not only to be with James, but to be with James so publicly given the fact that James was part of the White House press group. You know what was real surprising to me, though, thinking, looking at the flashbacks and, and in regards to Big Jerry? The fact that Big Jerry knew what he did, Melly had this this thing over him, he was still so mean to Fitz. Mm-hmm. Even with that, even knowing that Melly could have said anything at any point in time, mm-hmm. he was still so angry like he didn't rape his wife. But I think the problem is, is that, and we've talked about this again and again, when people think that the ends justifies the means... You sacrifice a piece of yourself, and part of that is your integrity, right? So, I'm, I don't, I don't know how to say this without getting into trouble. Um, I don't know how to say this without getting in trouble. I'm having a moment. Um, the fact that she, her reaction was not different, she literally, not just in that moment. But after, based on her reaction, lost a huge part of herself. And I think that's why they did such a juxtaposition. That was the first time that we saw Melly happy. We saw her calm. We saw her intelligent. We saw we saw her as thoughtful. She was a partner at a law firm. Like, she was going to do charity work. Like, she was going to have a platform. At that moment in time when she heard Cyrus say, it's your job to basically coddle him. That's your full-time job. And the minute at that moment... 
that Jerry did what he did, and she made a decision to, in some senses, either keep quiet, because in that moment they were going to leave, but the minute he said, I would make a good governor, if only he apologized, you saw her wheels turning, and she goes, you would. There's something to be said about people who sacrifice their own needs for someone else. I'm not a fan. Put your air on first. Because at the end of the day, now all you're giving is half of yourself. And you're not giving half of yourself. You're giving rotten. Because that's now what she is. Like, she has now taken away everything that is hers. Not that someone else did. But she then, after the fact, consciously made a decision to become someone that she's not. So that's all she's spewing at every given moment. Is this fake facade. How is Fitz going to connect with that? Because that's not who he married. He married an intelligent, vibrant, dynamic woman of this generation. She basically is acting like 1980s, if not worse, Stepford wife who is talking about art and like, oh, that's why you should vote for him. She's not even saying, oh, this art, yes, it's, it's edgy and it's gritty and it shows the state of America and that we need to be healed. That's what Med- Melly should be saying. Melly should be intelligently... Fixing the situation by being a real woman, not a doll. She chose that. So Jerry doesn't respect her. In that moment when she basically was like, let's not talk about it again, but this is what I want from you, Jerry was like, you're just like everyone else. Right. He called her an asset. Well, and then he fulfilled his part. He did apologize, but then why should he continue to do what he did in the future when she got what she wanted? She didn't say continue this for the rest of your life. So Because clearly on the episode before he uh, when he died... He was still Big Jerry. Right. And let's talk about how he belittled Fitz throughout this whole episode or during the flashback. Because I don't think that, even though we've seen portions of Jerry in previous episodes, I didn't know it was to that extent. And it was the part where we found out that Jerry did know about Remington. He knew exactly what happened. He was not proud of his son. He said that should have been some poor some poor boy on a plane that shot it down. And but he, it, he bailed him out. Yeah, it was when he said he bailed you out. And then he said, I own you. And he says, he said, um... What did he say? He said, you... It was basically to the effect of, you have to do what I say. And Fitz was like, no, I'm not doing that. But the way that he was speaking to him was just... I didn't know it was to that extent. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't either. Looking back at the other seasons, people don't wake up one day and just start being uh, an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) asshole, you gotta be comfortable to be that level of an asshole. It's kind of like being being insubordinate at work. uh, Insubordinate at work. You don't come in straight and support it. You keep pushing the envelope and you keep testing the waters and if people keep, you know, being letting you allowing you to do something and you like it and you get something from it, you're gonna keep pushing it. Big Jerry has been talking that way since Fitz was a little a child and he justified it and said, My dad beat me. I'm a good dad. I don't I don't beat him. I'm a great guy. And I th- well, actually, no. Go ahead, Emil. It seems no, like I was I was just co signing before I was gonna say this exactly what I was to say. Like that he he in his mind that was a and and the problem is, to a certain extent, in a foul way, he's right. Because he's an asshole and he gets the result that he wants. The minute he said, you're nothing, all you are is my son if you don't run on your military record, and the fact that Fitz knew that his military record was fake, you tell your dad, or wait, whatever house you're in, you leave the house, you go home, and you decide if you're going to run on governor on your own without Jerry. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, and that's the thing is that he keeps, there's so many times when Fitz basically alludes to the fact that he's tired of people of seeing him as a trust fund kid, a prep school kid, you know, Jerry Grant's son, then stop being Jerry Grant's son Mm -hmm. and take accountability for your own decision, your own actions. And for me, and I, sorry, let me calm down. (laughs) Sorry, this episode really like, I'm just, I'm irritated. He's a Rhodes Scholar. There's no faking that. Do you know what I mean? No, but seriously, like, you can fake a lot of things, and I could completely be wrong. Like, maybe you can cheat and get really good grades, but for the most part, a Rhodes Scholar is on a completely different level of intelligence. It means not only that you're smart, but you you can analyze and you can reason and you can, more importantly, strategize, right? We've always, throughout season one, season two, and now through season three, have had this dichotomy with Fitz, right? Is he a child or is he calculated, right? I haven't quite decided which he is. But if he's a child, you're not a child. Grow the F up. 
No, seriously, tell him to kick rocks. Don't be. Don't say, oh, well, grants don't follow orders. Well, you just did. I mean, exactly. who cares? You're you're acting like a child. And if he's calculated, well, then I have nothing to say because then he's my cold piece. And he totally flip-flops. So it's like there's a side of him where he wants to stand up to his dad and he disobeyed him and he chose to go into the Navy, but then it backfired. So it's kind of one of those things where it seems to me where he tries to go against his dad and do things and then it kind of backfires on him. So that so then now he needs to go back to his dad. So it's kind of one of those things that's back and forth, well, which for me, which for me just also um, kind of when I was watching it, I was saying to myself, OK, I kind of get it now. I don't think he wanted to be. I don't think he ever wanted to be president. Well, I was going to say the issue is, like with the father, so you're telling me I'm not going to do this unless daddy apologizes. That was the first issue right there. And then as soon as daddy apologizes, oh, then I'll run for him, then I'll do this. No, if you really want this, like you're saying, if you really want to be president, if you really want to be governor, you want this to happen for yourself, it doesn't matter what daddy says because you should not be listening to daddy anymore. You disobeyed daddy and went to the Navy. If you can disobey him and do that, then why are you still listening to him? And if he... If you want the thing that makes me sad about Fitz, and now now that we're seeing this backstory, I'm sad because Fitz was so focused and dedicated on running a clean campaign. So now I think I fully understand the impact of defiance. But I think even before defiance, because look at this whole thing that happened with the plane crash between his dad now having something to do and and, and fixing it, plus Rowan, you kind of wonder, and I think Cornelia, you said this last week, where. Did he have to run for president in order to fix all of his past or something? It's it's kind of weird. But but then this is this is my only problem with it, right? So arguably, he shouldn't be president. No, seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that he's basically ran off of is a lie, right? So we ran off of a name that he obviously accepts, but then wants to kind of complain about because. And and let me be very clear. His father is obviously abusive. That's not up for discussion. So I'm not taking that away from the scenario. But he's obviously choosing to be a Grant, right? He obviously eventually ran on his military record, which is BS. After Defiance, he knew about Defiance. So the second term, it actually would have been very easy for him. Remember how when he didn't file the papers to run again? Mm -hmm. Don't run. Or if you run really run an election. Doesn't he seem like he's still kind of sitting back and letting everyone do the work? Mm-hmm. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but the fact that he didn't show up in the Oval when he was supposed to for Melly, I don't care if she had never sacrificed anything and we didn't know any of this backstory. That's wrong. Because at the end of the day, you are the one who cheated. So the fact that she's now the 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 cold prune, too old and whatever, and the public doesn't like her, you sure has heck needed her all this many years as your thoroughbred or whatever the term was, and now you're just going to embarrass her on purpose? That seems like some passive-aggressive high school BS. And but he's, but he's spoiled. He's yeah. that, he's that spoiled... Um, Look, the trust fund, baby. And let's just talk about this. Since we're going... We can go ahead and go straight into this interview because... They just have Melly looking like a straight fool. Like like you said earlier, like giving a tour of the White House, putting on this show, like, oh, and here's the art. Like, n- knowing how smart Melly is, she just looks stupid, and she should not have to do this in order to get America back on her side. And the fact that Fitz is not with her at all, not even supporting, like calling Olivia. Okay, I'd, I'm going to partially... I'm going to partially blame Melly for this. I'm going to give yeah. Melly has to take responsibility. Being that she had the upper hand with Big Jerry while he was alive, I feel that she could have got Big Jerry to make sure that Fitz gave her something bigger than planting trees and apples. No, and no, no. Melly, can I say something? Jerry to do it. Melly could have did exactly. that Exactly. Thank you. And that's my point. She could have did Thank that Thank you, Melly... Vince knows Melly's smart. He knows this. And before the domino started falling, Melly had the opportunity to make them fall in her favor where she wanted them to fall in regards to her life and her career. She took that story or that speech that everybody was telling her that you're responsible for him and you have to coddle him. She took that as, 
I'm taking on this role and I'm really going to have to call him. And she turned into a babysitter. She turned into an ornament and she turned into somebody that's just there to kind of be behind him and like push him into the right directions without stepping from out from behind him and walking her own way. That's Melly's fault. She could have been in a position to to do whatever she wants to. Look at Hillary Clinton. I was going to say, and especially especially after what um, after what Fitz did, she totally. I mean, Clinton slept on the couch for months. I mean, she could, she had every. But not only that, I think that, and I sorry, finish your thought, Pam. I apologize. No, I'm just saying, he she had the upper hand. She, she yeah. But also too, not just Melly, the whole camp to me, I'm irritated, and I keep saying using that word. They're not being strategic, right? So think about it. The public doesn't like Melly. Why? Because Melly's been exactly as she's been. She's been this little, like, ooh, I play with babies, even though I don't like them. I'm going to talk about art, and I'm going to have bouffant hair, and I'm going to be so perfect, and I'm not going to really have emotions. Isn't that exactly why the public thinks that her husband stepped out on her? Yeah. Right? Right? And so now what are you going to do? You're going to put on the same facade that... Of the old Melly that the president stepped out on. Can't do that. And the old Melly that, that the public had a problem with when they were running trying to get them in office in the first place. Y'all better they preach. They didn't like their image in the first place. Melly could have took that opportunity right then at that very moment and said, you know what, I ain't about this. Exactly. Give me a platform, give me a job, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And that's why, and I don't care what anyone says, and I've said this from the beginning, Melly loves fit. She is not as strategic as we think. And you want to know why? That last interview showed it. When that woman was pushing her, the fact that she didn't know what to say, Mm -hmm. right, shows that she doesn't know what to say. That would have been her opportunity to say, this is the only way that I can get through. Do you know what I mean? I love my husband, and he cheated on me. I literally felt like I had no other recourse but to speak to him in a public manner because obviously we weren't speaking to one another. Fortunately, it worked. I know that I should have aired our dirty laundry, but that was the only way I knew how to reach him. Do you know what I mean? I'm a wife, I'm a mother, whatever, but I have flaws. And then she could have gone from there and then did it, da 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 right? Or she could have been like, I'm pissed. But, <laughs> but I'm the first lady, so there's a certain level of composure that I feel like it's not appropriate for me to do that. She didn't do any of that. And then what happens? And then Fit steps Fit in. Fit steps, steps in. Up and shows so up. again, even though it was a touching moment, pardon, say that again, Emil? Oh, no, I say he stepped up and showed up. No, totally. So now he's the poster boy again. And what is she? Nothing and voiceless. And haven't we been talking about this? Mm-hmm. But she took away her own voice. She had the voice, she had the camera crew. She didn't do anything with it. And at that pivotal moment when she could have responded, she didn't. And I have to go back to this. She's a lawyer. It's your job and your training, especially if she had been a partner at a law firm, to anticipate every question and every response and every scenario. So the fact that she's not basically in her room with her chief of staff running through all of this to figure out what she's going to say in advance, I feel like they're all dialing this in. And especially the fact that the president hadn't shown up twice. She should have known that that lady was going to try her. But you know what, though, what I had a flash of when she was at the interview and she went blank? At that moment, to me, she looked like the old Melly that from that flashback. The original Melly, when she had the turtleneck on, the sweater, wasn't real, wasn't already thrown into that savvy perspective, that savvy mind, this, you know, this ball buster, I gotta do whatever I need to do with it. It was very pure, like, oh, shoot, okay, so... mm, I don't know why I did it. You know what I mean? It seemed very... I don't know what vintage Melly looked like. All I have to go off of is the flashback, but it seemed like vintage Melly from 10 minutes before that scene. (laughs) Good point. Very true. But I think that... I think that this was an interesting story, but what... The whole thing with Sally Cyrus and her husband was a whole nother thing because we we found out that uh, Sally's husband has wandering eyes in the past couple of episodes and then we even saw that he was looking at Melly and all those different things which would lead us to believe that maybe Melly was one of his objects of affection or some somebody he would want to do something with in the future which is why I had the prediction last because I thought that was Melly and the husband 
And then we go into this episode and, you know, James and Cyrus, because we briefly touched on this last week, but James and Cyrus are having issues with communicating and James just keeps, I mean, Cyrus just keeps shutting him down. And it was very sad for me in this scene when James is coming to his partner in a pivotal moment, such a, a hard moment for him. And Cyrus doesn't even take a moment to listen to him. Like, obviously there's something wrong there. If he's coming to you, he's saying, no, this isn't, no, no, like not even looking at you and clearly you're passionate about this. He's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I got fired today. And then like, you try to come like, oh, I'm so sorry, James. But then after that, when we go to Daniel and James, it's just like Quinn finding another place where she feels loved. (laughs) James is finding another place where he feels some type of affection or love. And if you don't give that to somebody, they're going to look for it elsewhere. And that was sloppy. It was sloppy on so many things. You already know that your wife, your wife, is trying to run for president of the United States um, as an independent. Then, the 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 way that James and Sally's husband were having conversation, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, hi Sophia. It oh. was more like, it was, no, it, it was I'm very. Gonna key key. I'm going to interject though, key but key. not if you're not looking like for it. it. Right. Not if you're not looking That's for it. True. Think about it. At the end of the day, nobody. Right? Would have assumed that Sally Langston's husband, as young as he looks, as debonair as he looks, little handsy handsy, wants to put his hands on men and not on women. So if you're not looking for it, it just looks like two guys talking. Just because James happens to be gay doesn't doesn't mean, because at the end of the day, James is a married man, number one. Number two, he's married to Cyrus. So we all know this. So it just looks like... Two dudes, like, hey, like, you know what I mean? Did you see the football game? The Redskins, like, RG3, like, yo, is he still, like, you know, injured? I disagree because okay. the moment that we saw it, boom, it, we were like, boom. We but that's because, because of the know. backstory. Go ahead. It's like yeah. that that outer perspective we have as the viewer. We have this whole backstory behind it. We know what's going on. And plus, um, Melly, no, who is he sitting with? Who is Cyrus sitting with at the table we're talking Melly. to? Melly. Yeah, Melly said something to him, and that added to our, yeah. like, it was all planned in our mind. Right at that moment before they actually went, and they were like, oh, like, that's not his type. I thought that Melly was going to yeah, go over there. I did, too. Yeah, because she was looking mean? over the way the, way the look she in her was eyes. Looking, I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, I thought Melly yeah. was going to be like, well, Because be remember, on. Melly and Fitz just had this conversation right in the um, in the office, and she said, you know, I need you to step up. I need you to step up and be there for me. And I have to say this because I wrote the quote down. And it, that whole thing, she said, um, oh, Melly tells Fitz that she's tired of doing everything herself. And she said, we're supposed to be partners. And it was this line that really got me. She said, we are in this hell together, and the flames are burning us with equal intensity, baby. You don't have to love me, but we can at least be friends. And I was saying, so they're friends now. Now Melly still wants to help out her friend. So then she's looking at Daniel because that will help her out by getting them out. And that's why I thought I immediately made that connection. But then we see that that wasn't. Well, what I thought when I saw the scene, I I was like, you know what? Cyrus is going to try to pimp James out. I thought the same thing. And that's sad because he. I was like, oh, Lord, Cyrus was going to have a talk a couple days from now with James and tell him that he may want to take one for the team. Did you see his That's face? That's where I thought he was going. Did you see his face, though? It wasn't a, it no. wasn't a, oh, my God, my husband. Oh, no, no. It was. There oh. was for like a split second. Tiny. For a tiny. split second. But then I do agree. Yeah. He's going to have a talk. Him and James are going to have a talk. But now let me go. Let me jump back on you guys' side. I've always thought that it was weird or interesting. Sally... I'm just, I'm not throwing shade, but Sally's no spring chicken. You throwing shade? I, she, I, she, and she, I always, you when, we, some shade. when we first, when we first, <laughs> when we first saw the husband, Sally's an old ass woman. What is oh, she doing with this? No, 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 when you and the guy get married, you know, y'all both looking good, you know, you got the hot you you hot young thing, you smart, you you know, you you got your, your chops together. Some people don't really age at the same rate as they man. Or maybe he just really liked Sally. Like I don't also, know. Also too, I thought it was I think it was it was deliberate. It shows that Sally wanted her some eye candy. Do you know what I mean? Because if you think about it, like, they have role reversal, right? Sally is a powerful, intelligent one who intended to be president. So you have nice arm candy as your husband. It doesn't matter that he happens to be a man and he could possibly be the first husband. You're not necessarily with him for 
his brains. You're with him for his beauty. So I think that was very deliberate. And I think that to a certain extent, it shows a subtle nature of Sally's weakness. Because I think that Sally is so sanctimonious, and it shows that her weakness possibly was eye candy, and then she ended up in a situation that may lead to be detrimental to her pursuits of wanting to be president. Well, quiet is kept. I always, because Sally's husband just appeared now in third season, I'd always kind of wonder where they're going to make maybe Sally gay because she's a Republican, she's so religious, and so, never but, saw that. but clearly yeah. not. I think that would be a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's not a bit of a stretch. If you go to iTunes, it takes like five seconds. Go to iTunes, visit our podcast page. It's up every single week, and what we want you to do is rate, comment, subscribe, and share. And guys, um, I went on there the other day, and we're at 400 and something ratings, and we're still at five stars, which wow. is amazing. So thank you so very much for all your support and do visit us on YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube.com AfterBuzz TV. Search for Scandal AfterBuzz. Bam always tweets out the link first and we all retweet. They retweet. And, then, <laughs> and um, just make sure you check us out there. Continue the conversation online. We will always continue the conversation online and interact with all you guys when our schedules allow. But thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate it. Rate, comment, subscribe on YouTube as well and make sure you tell a friend. That's your homework for this week. Tell a friend. Um, but let's talk about um, what happened with Remington and this whole situation because I feel like as much as we didn't necessarily love this episode, I do feel like at least I cared about Remington this episode, if that makes sense. It was because the past couple of weeks, it's been like they're pushing Remington down my throat and I don't really care. And I'm not necessarily happy with the way that the episode ended, but I cared a little more <laughs> because remember, we find out in the flashback, like I said, that um, exactly what happened in Remington because of Big Jerry. And then we get more and more into detail because OPA takes on Olivia's mom as the client. <sighs> <laughs> they took on Olivia's mama's client. They're doing this whole this whole thing backstory, or whatever. And it was a little it was a little predictable because when um when they said that one person came off the plane, obviously we all thought, okay, that's the mom. Like it's too obvious. They said a marshal got her off the plane, but it, it was an Omar resident. Um, and it said it was at nighttime. Like it was all too convenient. And then we see at the end of the episode. Just gonna go ahead and fast forward. We see at the end of the episode that the mom is still alive. And I just. Even though I think we all knew it was coming, I don't think I would satisfy. Well, I think for me, going back a little bit, I was a little not I was a little irritated or just weirded out by Olivia pitching them to take on yes. the project yes. and then saying it's very dangerous. Keep in mind that, you know, this is probably one of the most controversial cases we've ever had to take on. They weren't going to say no. It's Olivia. They're your friend. It's your mom. So I kind of felt like at that point, they didn't have a choice. Like, the choice was, they couldn't be like, sorry about your moms, but uh, I'm going to sit this one out. I feel like this coffee. I agree with you, Cornelia, but I feel like the way she presented it, I think there's a certain aspect of their loyalty that she doesn't appreciate, and she actually is a little bit condescending. So when she said, Overcliff, yeah, I know. Yes, yes. I literally had to stay in my chair because I was like, excuse me? Like, the over the cliff comment is not lightly. It literally means I will die for you. And their lives are in danger. Number one. Number two, especially given Huck's backstory, you may not actually die. You may be putting a hole and you wish you were dead. Mm-hmm. But do you know what I mean? So it's not going to just be some quick and easy. And then the way that she was like, oh, well, you know, it involves, you know, the president or whatever. Part of me is like, kind of like, okay, yeah, so we already had defiance. Like, so in a weird way, it actually was anticlimactic to me. Be- they've already dealt with stuff to do with the president. Like, they've already dealt with twice. S- twice. Mm-hmm. Serious stuff. So it's kind of like, okay. And I think she wasn't appreciative. But it at least, I think, opened it up for the associates to start to come closer to her. So I really liked the scene with Abby. Like, I liked that she just was standing there. And it's like, Olivia was like, what? And it's like, Abby, like, because in that situation, like, what do you say? Like, what do you say to your friend? Like, I'm sorry your mom died. I'm sorry that your dad possibly killed her. I'm sorry that your boyfriend, who's not your boyfriend, who's the president of the United States of America, who's married, may have done it. So I like the fact that not only was she approaching her, but the the fact that she told her what she was going to do, it was still honoring 
Olivia and honoring Olivia's space and Olivia's wall and Olivia's Chinese wall and just saying to you, this is what I'm going to do. So if you want me to stop, tell me. But otherwise, I feel like this is what you need and I'm going to give it to you. And even though I think someone in the room said, oh, hug her back, yeah. I think that the way that she closed her eyes was the way she was her hugging her, her back. Yeah. And I thought it was—I thought it was beautiful. Well, it's the only part of the entire episode I liked. The, the whole thing with the mom being the client—I totally disliked it um, because, like we've said, she's putting the OPA in risk. And not only that, she already knows to the extent she just said last week, "Dad, I'm afraid that you're going to kill my friends." And so now that you're digging more into this information, now you're you're putting all of these people at risk. And then Huck is already associated uh, with Rowan already, and he and and Rowan already gave Huck a pass back when we flashed back when he knew that who he was when he wasn't supposed to be alive because Charlie didn't kill him. It's like you're putting you're putting these people in so much risk, and you're not being appreciative. And I think. With with putting by allowing LPA to go in and to research and ask the people at the airports and all these other things like your dad is who your dad is. Do you not think your dad is not going to figure out that your people are now investigating what's going on? Now, mind you, I don't think that Ron would kill LPA. Because I think he loves his daughter. Like I think there's a there's a fine. I'm sorry. There's a there's a fine line. I don't think he would maybe kill all of them or not kill like he has he has some heart for his daughter obviously because he went to his mom and says hey you know your daughter's looking for you so I don't think he would would I don't think he would kill everybody maybe some or half but still to put them into this situation I feel is just sloppy she should do it in a very spy like way rather than just having your people just go and do what they do and then, you know, Harrison, he got his two lines, whoopty, you know? And keep Jake on. He was all, he was billy-nilly about it from the start. You, you sure about this? Yeah, I'm sure, Jake. You do all the work. Because, right. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Only people who should, whose life should be on the line are the people whose life have been on the line from the start. Don't, I just, it to me, I was just like, come on now. And then also, just really quick, and then the call between Fitz and I was Fitz just call, about to say, because... I was, I was annoyed with that, too, because Olivia, you cannot, Fitz can't give you this information, and you know that, so why are you acting... Sorry, go ahead. Why, go ahead. I don't understand why she's acting like this. I don't understand I, why she ran to the phone. I, well, I mean... I'm just saying, don't act like don't act like you're a badass and about to close the door and then run to the phone. But I, I think this is a problem with Olivia. Is again, I think Olivia is very similar to Melly in the same point that Olivia does not know who Olivia wants to be, and Olivia definitely, as it pertains to emotions, doesn't like to live in that space of emotion. Right. So her intelligent brain is telling her, not only should this be over for other reasons, but I think and or I know that my former boyfriend shot down my mother. That is a deal breaker. So therefore, I should no longer talk to him. And so that's what she was trying to do. But then she realized that she is an emotional creature and she had to talk to him. I was talking to someone online and they were saying, do you think that Fitz will ever tell her the truth? Right? And I said that at the end of last episode... When he said, I would forgive you for everything, why can't you do the same? That, her response, to me, is why he's not going to tell her the truth. Why tell her the truth and potentially break security, confidentiality, all these other domino effects to do with his life and so many other people's lives, and she's still not going to forgive him. It's actually better for her, her not to forgive him and not know, rather than for her to definitively know and... Her, him not forgive her. But, sorry, I'm going to talk about the other side of my mouth. They keep having moments where they don't move forward. Life is is real. Like, real shit happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, people die. No, but seriously, sorry. Like, I'm amped up today. Like, I'm not. Like, me and Shonda might have to have words on Twitter. <laughs> um, No, just serious. Serious. I don't know. She, like, uh, anyways. F- focus, Sophie. Um. I really think that they have a moment where they could have been honest with one another, vulnerable with one another, and they could grow. To me, there's a certain aspect of what Olivia is asking for Fitz. It's juvenile. It literally feels like they're still stuck in high school and they're not having adult conversations. She is an adult should have said, 
all right, I know that you're the president of the United States of America and there are certain things that you can't tell me, but from the information I have, I think you killed my mother. If you cannot give me information to refute that, then I am going to act as if you killed my mother and we are done. Not, I don't know you, you're a stranger yeah. to me, blah, blah, blah. Well, now you know. Does that make sense? No, but seriously, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he did it or he didn't, didn't do it. There's information that you weren't privy to. You now have that information, and you can be Pope and Associates, and you can go find all the information you want because you're a fixer. Now what? But if she if she does go and say, if she goes and gives him this ultimatum, it was 15 years ago. He didn't know. He didn't even know that Rowan is. That he didn't even know that the two. I are totally related. agree with you. That's why yeah. I think, to a certain extent, it's asinine. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I think also, too, even that, like the fact that she's not. It's almost like she's taking things at face value, knowing that her dad is command. Think about it. It's not like she just found out her dad was command. She always knew her dad was command, at least as far back as she knew Huck. Mm-hmm. Right. So the fact that all of these things start to come into play, the minute she basically realized that her dad had something to do with Remington and put the whole thing with her with Fitz, she in her mind should, in like I said last, I think, episode, she should start to put two and two together and be like, was this deliberate? Because too many things line up. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Again, the fact that Cyrus was brought in to help him run his campaign. It was Jerry who brought Cyrus in. Then Fitz never wanted to go to the Navy. But of all people, let's think about this. Of all people that they chose to shoot down the plane... It's Jerry's son. Mm-hmm. So it's Jerry's son who's the head of the committee that would then investigate the crash. Right? They did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I'm trying to say? The fact that she, I don't know. Sorry. She's, I don't know. I'm, I, let me just. Um, really quick. There's more of OPA that I would like to discuss. Oh, it's not really quick. We need to talk about Quinn for a little <laughs> right. bit. Right. Then, like, there was something else, but I, I forgot. But Like, uh, I... I can't with Quinn. I okay. So in this episode, Quinn is with Charlie again, and they're in the gun range, and you know they're bonding and all this stuff. And then you know Quinn meets him in the car, and like, or no, did they meet in the car and then they kissed, or was it she no, was stalking? No, no, no. She, she was, was stalking, stalking him. Her. She was stalking him. She asked him. him at the gun range right, where, where he was he, going. So she's stalking him, and then, of course, he's part of B613. He can tell when somebody's following him and watching him. He goes over to Quinn, and then... Gives her a jacket. Yeah, gives her a jacket because she's cold. Goes up against the wall, kisses her, and then basically says, you know, give me a call. Let's go back. When Huck was going to kill Charlie um, in season two, it was little Miss Nosy Quinn who stopped Huck from killing Charlie. And so now we forward to season three. And so now that Huck has turned his back on little poor Quinn or however you guys want to to classify her, now Charlie befriends the girl who saved him from being killed. Right. I just but he's not befriending her because he wants to. Yeah, it's, it's all rolling. It's, it's orders. My thing but I, is... But the, yeah, but I do see the symmetry. Why couldn't Huck, in that moment where she's asking... And I... Part of me understands, but in the moment where she's asking for a little bit of credit because of what she did, I understand she was being, you know, nosy Quinn and everything. But Huck should be able to see... And maybe because Huck is too, too focused on himself, but he should be able to see that something's going on with Quinn. All she's asking for is a little recognition. Why couldn't he just give her that little bit? You sound like me. Just to, I'm just saying, just to calm her down, just to pacify her, just a little bit, because all she's asking for is to say, I just want a, a pat on the back, a hand clap, something, just so I know that I'm still important to you. He couldn't even give her that. Well, I, it's, those are skills that it seems like Huck doesn't really have or know how, what... You know, he doesn't know that he's supposed to do that. And to add that on top of the fact that he's focused on Quinn was stalking him when he was go- when he went to uh, when he was at his meetings and he was talking that was very personal for him. It seemed like that situation and Quinn there and then her cell phone going off and she was following him. That scorned her. Like to, it seemed like to him that was like I I deal with everything else. You you may be a little off the ringer. Sure, I push you down this wrong this wrong path. But you won't let me live my personal life and work out my own problems. You're following me now. It seemed like that made Huck, that turned him off. And he, it's like he doesn't even want to be bothered with her. I don't think he knows that he should pacify her, though. Right. And just as he doesn't know any better to maybe tell Liv, like, hey, you know, our girl, she's in trouble. He doesn't know 
anything. And so now she's she's out on the ledge by herself. And Charlie's playing And, who, and how would Huck us think about it? Let's really think about it. Huck would never assume that Quinn is now going to be hanging out with Charlie and is going to be B613 like that. I just, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't even, nobody would even assume that. Yeah. He wouldn't be like, yo, I need to, I need to start hanging with Quinn because Charlie's out here and he's going to befriend her and they're going to be at the gun range and then he's going to be, she's B613. I, I agree with you. However, and I know that obviously Huck is in a weird space, but again, back to Bam's point in the fact that now they're really going into investigating Operation Remington, right? Where's your contingency plan? Right? So shouldn't Huck be like trailing everyone, have heightened security? Like, so yes, I agree that we would have never thought that Quinn would be hanging out with Charlie and is being recruited into B3613. But you would think that there's some kind of harm that could potentially come someone's way because you're dealing with the best of the best of the best. And regardless of whether or not the head of the command is Olivia's father, they're ruthless. And We've seen this. Or else she wouldn't be afraid of him. Like, she would basically have said, okay, it doesn't matter if he's my father. He's not going to kill anybody. She, with her own mouth, said, not only could he kill my friends, he could kill me just to teach me a lesson. I just, I need her to stop looking at this whole B613 as uh, Candyland. Like, it's a game. Because with that moment when she gets excited about the possibility of putting the guy to sleep. like. But this is a... Go ahead. Sorry, Mia. No, no, no. I'm just yeah. going to say, I'm, I'm just annoyed with it. Like, when she goes in there and then, it's, it's like she, she's... <laughs> She thinks that she's ready for this, but she's not because that moment she goes in there and she stabs him in the hand. She's like, oh, all right, Charlie, I did it. Are you proud of me? Well, Charlie, but, where are you at? And then he's dead. Like, But again, we're just, we're, listen to what you're saying. You're saying that we're tired of her thinking this is Candyland. Well, guess what? Now she's trying to play with the big boys, and now she just got her ass bit. So, we, so what happened to Quinn is basically what we've been saying she deserves. So what more can we ask for? I ain't asking for nothing now. And also, too, though, to me, like, so you stabbed him in the hand, like, looking straight at him. So when he wakes up, he's going to call somebody. No, right. There was no finesse you know to mean? it. Like, and to me, like, maybe I watch way too many spy movies. So when she was like, oh, this pen doesn't work, and he bent over, didn't you assume she was going to lean over yes. and hit him in the neck? So that maybe he wouldn't, have been, he wouldn't be aware. But to go like this... But we, just, even oh, when, 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 when he, when he is on the ground, like bleeding and stuff, like Quinn she, is just not good in these situations. She's touching him. Like, remember when she took yes, the centers yes, out? Like, yes. Quinn does not need to be near anybody who is dying because she does not know what to do. To but, but again, remember the times that she has killed or done something harmful to someone, she's had Huck there. The first time when they were um, in the bed and she was going to use the scissors and he said, you know, never turn away. She's always had Huck with her to walk her through killing somebody and she was there by herself and she doesn't have the experience that she had so she just, she went with her, not gut, but she went with, uh, she wasn't thinking. No, it was hubris. I'm going back to last episode with Icarus and the 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 story of basically flying too too close to the sun, basically that you're arrogant. You're mm-hmm. you're you you really think that you know gotcha. better, right? Yeah. Because his father said, Don't fly too close to the sun, like the wax will melt on the wings and you'll fall and you'll drown in the ocean, right? That's exactly what Quinn's doing. Think about it. Quinn is trying to walk before she runs. Charlie is including her, and all Charlie said is, Hey, can you basically, like, distract him, right? Or what was the first thing he said? Something about the security camera. Oh, thank you, the security camera, right? And then he basically pulls out the the little syringe right on cue. Mm -hmm. And she basically was like, well, Huck, let me torture someone. And I did a good job. So, first of all, like... She should have never said that, first of all. You have to remember, like, if you're going to be a spy in certain things, you don't just blab things, especially to a man that your that your trainer almost killed. Or well, that's... keep family business in the family. Take the spy out of it, Quinn. Y'all a family. Well, that's... If Huck had you doing something, even if he didn't, if your homegirl had you killing somebody... You don't tell some other dude, like, yeah, my, Lakeisha had me killing somebody. <laughs> you don't do that. Is she friends with, uh, what's her she, name? She, Shady Shaniqua. Shaniqua. Right, Shaniqua. <laughs> but my right, thing homies. is, I guess the reason why I'm annoyed, too, is because just like, Bam, you were saying that she is the reason that uh, Huck saved Charlie's life, clearly Huck was going to kill Charlie for a reason, though. What makes you think you can trust him now? Hmm. Like, if, if, if Huck, if, if she idolizes Huck, and I understand that her and Huck are going through a rough spot right now, but if she truly idolizes Huck and that's her trainer, her teacher, why would you all of a sudden just 
suddenly blindly follow this guy who Huck was trying to kill. It's like acting out. It's acting out. It's like the boy who once tries to holler at this girl, and if this girl don't want him, he's like, you know what? Guess what? I'm gonna get at your friend. It's that's. It's probably. It's kind of like that. Like you know, it's like, oh, you don't want to hang with me. I'm hanging with Charlie. Exactly what Quinn it is. is Childish. Exactly. Childish Quinn. Capri Suns. I told y'all. Well, before we go to news and gossip, who is your co-piece of the week? Um, I have a, a well, my co-piece of the week, and it is not related to really the episode, but it's just my gut feeling. I really think I think Olivia's mom is co-piece of the week. When you have a facade about somebody and you create this idea of who they are. It hurts even more when you find out the truth about them because you had nothing to, to gauge it against and you had no real background about the person at all. I think Rowan, some, a part of me thinks Rowan was the good guy and Olivia's mom was the bad guy and eventually they swapped positions when the, uh, her mom left. He turned into the bad guy. And Teddy's hair is cold piece of the week because he had it part <laughs> split down the middle with jail slick backs to the side, okay? Why are they doing his hair like this? <laughs> so mad. Did y'all hear me when we were watching? People at home, that I, when we were watching, I was like, why are they combing his hair like this? That is so offensive. I just love Melly's comment in that um, scene when um, Sally's like, he's getting so big. Yes, he's, he's huge. huge. Yeah, and he uses gel. Speaking of which, that's the Melly that we need to see, though. That's the Melly that America wants to see, that real Melly. That's what's gonna get America back on her side. Not Fitz always constantly standing up for her. Let's go into news and gossip, though. After Buzz TV News. <laughs> so, did everybody see um, Kerry Washington's Lucky Magazine cover? I get Google alerts on my phone um, of, like, I have it for Scandal, Shonda Rhimes, and Kerry Washington, I believe. And I just, it comes constantly, because especially since the show has been so popular, like, always on my phone, filling up my email. And I remember I saw, I was like, oh, she's on another cover. Let me look at it. I couldn't even recognize her. It looks like, um... I, um, like a mixture, I, I'm, whatever I would say just now is going to be offensive, like to some type of race. But it didn't. It didn't even look like her ethnicity. Like it was. She looked like stained glass. <laughs> she did. Like yeah. she, her skin looked like like a stained glass church window. Let's talk about this though, because I, I didn't. I didn't see it until Sophia sent to me earlier though. The editor's response. And I was at work in my, on my break reading it, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but it says something like, um, we did the best we could with what we had. Something like that. We worked a miracle. Yeah. Something like Carrie that. Carrie Washington is a beautiful woman, and on every other cover, she looks fabulous. So I'm confused as to, like, so maybe, you couldn't give her a better hairstyle, a better stylist? Like, what? Maybe sometimes um, now, uh, a celebrity of her, of her caliber, sometimes when you do articles and magazine covers, sometimes they, your people send, send pictures and then you pick, and then you pick what the art, and then you pick what the cover is. And then, then you do the interview either through email or, or phone. And so maybe the picture that they gave, it could have potentially, no, I'm not going to defend no, them. No, and know. you know why? Cause they had a whole, they had a whole video from the, in the, of the shoot. Like it was a big deal. And mm. the primary reason is that this editor is new. She's only been, um, the editor for, Four, four months. months yeah. So she's supposed to be revamping Lucky, number one. Number two, her background is in social media. So she's definitely using, you know, all of these interactive mediums like interviews and showing backstage of photo shoots, right? Now, I totally agree with Emil and several other gladiators and several other people who have been on social media that not only was she unrecognizable, it was not a flattering picture yeah, of anyone, nice. right? Number three, it was not a nice cover. So even if you didn't know who she was and you look, no one's going to look at that cover and want to buy it other than the strength of Kerry Washington's fan base. Yeah. Now, to me, an editor who's only been doing their job for four months would simply say something like, we're, you know, we're so sorry or, you know, we'll rectify the situation or just something along those lines. And I had it pulled up and it left me. But basically what she said is, she goes, listen, we really tried so hard on that. We did the best we could with the subject. I got the best hair and makeup people on it. One of the best photographers in the business. Hey, listen, we can only do but so much. We're not miracle workers. That is such an insult. That is such an insult. And especially how when some of the things they have in, in bold underline. Oh, that was for me, so that I could emphasize <laughs> oh. the point. But she, um, so she just so happened to look great on every cover. 
accept yours? And how did you? How, her, what? There, you cannot. And this is my issue with so many people who make these arguments. You cannot just completely deflect all blame off of yourself onto like to not take any ownership at all. Exactly, because that's your all. job as the editor. You didn't even acknowledge the fact. Like, there's photo. We we all understand that the celebrities that we see on these covers that we see, even we've seen recently the scandals with uh, these videos and movies, how they have the airbrushing mm-hmm. where you can do for videos and stuff. But we understand as a public that what we see is partially a facade because nobody is perfect. But you didn't even acknowledge the fact that this is beyond the normal Photoshop. You made her look like somebody completely different. Completely. She didn't... Completely. And ironically, we've all, or at least I have in the past, I've been following Carrie Washington for a number of years. I've seen those pictures, you know, that they have celebrities without makeup. Mm-hmm. That would have been better. Right. Yeah. A picture of her with absolutely no makeup, without her hair done, would have been better than that. Because she's an absolutely beautiful woman with excellent features. Yeah. Well, could so we think, seen even the, the Neutrogena picture that she had in her profile? Like, yeah. So I, I, I think, and, and this is this is where, and I'm, and I'm kind of talking to you gladiators, and I'd love to continue the conversation on Twitter. I was talking to a lot of you guys on Twitter earlier today. I'm not sure how this is going to play out. So it's, the, I think, the December-January issue. I don't know if the numbers are going to be good or if the numbers are going to be bad and how that fares either way. Because are the numbers going to be good because Kerry Washington has such a huge fan base regardless of the picture? Are they going to be bad? Is that going to validate what the editor says or not validate what the editor says? I feel like it's a tricky situation. So I personally, I don't know what to do. Well, my last question but is... But keep it classy on Twitter and social media. <laughs> no, seriously, you can be curt and to the point, but keep it classy. My last question is, has Carrie Washington, I know she's private, but has she said anything in response to any of this? Not that I've heard, but yeah. Gladiators let us know if, if she has. Well, oh, and she even basically tried to say that Anna Wintour yes. approved the cover. That's BS. Like, I don't believe it. Anyway, like Sophia said, please let's continue this conversation online, but let's head into our predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV. <clears throat> um, like I say, I keep saying every week. And it's starting to happen. Something big is going to happen with Quinn. Because remember in this episode, he said, welcome to Wonderland. Quinn is now part of B613, whether she wants to be part of it or not. She thought she did, but now she's part of it. And I don't think that she wants to be a part of it. Um, or what this this fantasy that she had of B613 is not reality of what B613 is. And now she's going to be part of that. Um, and that's it. I just, I'm, I, this is more of a one. I just want an episode that blows me away. I just need it to come. Well, my question about one about Quinn is: so you gonna keep you gonna work two gigs now? Like, are you just gonna not show up to OPA ever again and be full time B six thirteen, or are you gonna you know are you gonna try to do freelance work? Like, I'm confused about that. We'll see. My other prediction, and I I said this, I keep saying this before that of course Liv- Olivia's mom isn't dead, whatever. And I was saying before that Rowan probably shot the plane down, whatever. My new prediction is. The way Olivia's mom ran out that house, she ran out that house the way Huck was supposed to run out of the house when they told him to leave his family. So, my question is, was Olivia's mom B613? Did her dad, did daddy find out what B613 was when he was looking into the situation with his mom, with Olivia's mom, Mm -hmm. and now he became the bad guy? Was Olivia's mom the original bad guy in the family but was just nice to Olivia? Hmm. That's my question and my prediction because I don't think Olivia's mom is this good person that we think she is. I just don't. Now I really don't. It doesn't. I don't. I don't believe it. Two predictions or two questions. Basically piggybacking off what Camelia said. The mom has something on Rowan. Otherwise, she would either be dead, or he wouldn't be coming to visit her, and she wouldn't. She wouldn't basically demand anything. So she has to have something on him. So even though she's in, quote unquote, prison and in lockdown, I don't know. It, it's, it seems like she's there of her own volition to a certain extent. Um, and then the second thing is, I need Melly to be cold piece. I need her to step out and either do one of two things. I either need her to burn the whole White House down, no, literally and figuratively, or I need her to save it. And the reason being is she knows about Remington. Mm -hmm. So, again, there's another aspect that people think 
that people are unaware of what she knows and she knows everything and has known everything from the very beginning. I think that there's no way that somehow that's not going to come into play given the fact that Remington seems to be the major storyline of this season. Right. And Melly knows about it and no one's aware that Melly is aware. Well, I need <laughs> um I need to see Candy Alexander, who plays Olivia's mom. I need to see her in a better situation. I didn't recognize her. Um, she looked terrible. I need, I need, a, I need something. She, I, I didn't recognize Candy, so I, I, I need to see something more. Um, I their relationship with, uh, with, with, um, with the mom and the dad. I agree with you, Cornelia, to a certain extent, but I feel like they're kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde. They're, I, I don't feel that there's any kind of um, animosity. Hate, animosity. Mm. The way he uh, uh, came to her, you know, your daughter's asking about you. It wasn't in a very angry way. It was in a very, like, husband-wife type way, like an understanding between the two. So I'm really mm. curious to see what their relationship is going to be like. This, mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, those are our predictions. And, of course, we want to hear your predictions on iTunes and YouTube. But where can we find you guys on social media? You can, you, find, <laughs> you can find me at Canelia on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sorry, guys. You can find me on Twitter at Sophia Stanley. Bear Merrickson, uh, Instagram, tw- Twitter. Thank you, GQ Jedi, for that. I can't. And you can find <laughs> you can find me at Emil Innis Jr. on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and on YouTube at Chasing LA. Guys, thank you so much for joining us again. And if you want to send any of us any type of items like clothes or anything like you send, bam, feel free to do so, and we will really appreciate it. We will see you guys next week, and have a great night. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. You better buzz us later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.